The Bible says in the book of Judges, chapter 7, 13 through 15, we're talking about Gideon today. The Bible says Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he said. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent was overturned and collapsed. The friend responded, this can be none other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Verse 15, then Gideon heard this dream. When he heard it and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up, the Lord has given us the Midianite camp into our hands. Dividing the camp into 300 men in three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches on the inside. And the New King James says, and this is the title of our message, he put a trumpet in every man's hand. And I want to talk to you today. The title of the message is simply this, a trumpet in every hand. And Father, we pray that you bless our service today, bless our time together, touch us, Lord, as we're online. Father, people all over Canada, all over the world tuning in, God, that you'd speak to them today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine with me the moment. Uh, uh, put yourself in Gideon's shoes. Imagine the moment where the Midianites have come against you, you're God's man of power for the hour, and you've got everything that you need, you haven't yet realized that, to defeat the enemy. You're at war. You're in control of an army. You've got, an over, you've got to overcome the enemy. The enemy is at the gates, so to speak. And then the Lord challenges you and He encourages you to downsize your army. And we missed that part of the story, but He reluctantly downsizes His army to the mighty 300. The next step, of course, as the commander of the army is to decide what weaponry your soldiers will use in their fight against the enemy. And as it comes to the point where he, chose, where he chooses the weapons, he gives them the most odd things to fight with. Reminds me of times when I would pack down church from large conferences and camps. Um, I don't do a lot of pack down here these days with a muscle team in Canada, so grateful for their service. But as a young youth pastor or a, a fledgling young green wet behind the ears staff member, I did my fair share of set up and pack down, bump in and bump out. And when you're packing down after a long weekend of a conference or camp and it's late into the night, you start making up random games to keep yourself occupied. And the one game that we made up in this one season of life was a game called the zombie apocalypse. In the zombie apocalypse, you would, there were zombies and it was apocalyptic. And you had to decide in this game, hypothetical of course, um, what you would use to defeat the enemy, the zombies. And so you could have a weapon, a vehicle, and a partner. And that's what we, there were iterations of the game. And the last one decided, okay, zombie apocalypse, weapon, vehicle, partner. And after my many long years of discerning the best possible outcome for us to beat the zombies, I decided that the lightsaber would be the best weapon, Goku the best partner, and Optimus Prime the best vehicle. And, and obviously I won that game. Because how can you come up with three things that beat those people? Gideon essentially gets to play this game in real life. He has 300 men at his, at his disposal, enemy at the gates, and he gets to decide what he's going to use to defeat that enemy. 
and he gives them the strangest three things. A jar, a torch, and a trumpet. A jar, a torch, and a trumpet. Think now, if you're a soldier, put yourself in the shoes of someone who's fighting in Gideon's army. You're nervous, you're anxious, you're scared, and you get given these three implements, these three weapons, and you use inverted commas to describe them as such. Have you ever been given a gift that you didn't appreciate? I've been given many gifts in my life that I didn't appreciate, none from you, of course, any gift I get you know, from you, from our church, from my friends that I know right now are amazing, best gifts ever. But I've been given in my life a cat. Don't do that. Like, don't give me a cat. I don't want to see cats. I don't want to touch cats. Animals, not interested. The animals love me. It's weird, but I'm not interested. Maybe it's because they know that I hate them, that they're like, oh, finally, someone who doesn't care about me. I've, given, I've, I've been given a cat. I've been given chickens. Don't do that. I think someone gave me chickens because they knew that chickens were the worst and they didn't want them, so they gave them to us for free. I've been given a pink flowery apron. Like just gifts you don't appreciate. Sometimes you get given gifts that you don't appreciate and they end up coming in handy later on, like the chickens gave us eggs. Gideon's men for sure are in the category of people that have received a gift they didn't appreciate at the time. But understand this, friends, as we look through the scripture, we'll find that the gifts present to us a little more than meets the eye. The first thing that was given, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first thing that was given was a jar, a jar, a clay jar, pottery. No doubt these jars were clay from the dirt, from the dust, from the earth, which reminds me, as I read the scriptures, whenever we see dirt, dust, clay, it can speak to us and our journey. The Bible says in Genesis chapter one and verse 27, that God formed a man from the dust of the ground. The Bible says that we are, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, jars of clay. That anytime we see jars in the Scriptures, we can see that that might be a representation of us. We're ordinary people made from the dirt that we walk on. James says in 5.17 that Elijah was a man just like us, but he prayed that it would not rain and it did not rain for three and a half years. But the first half of that scripture, Elijah, man of God, supernatural man of power for the hour, was a man just like us. Joyce Meyer, the incredible author, speaker, pastor, brilliant communicator, failed English, but has written New York Times bestsellers. Martin Smith, key worship leader, front man for Delirious, a game-changing praise and worship band that has impacted generations, failed music. Smith Wigglesworth, the, the uh, revivalist preacher, maybe one of the top 10 biblical communicators in human history, before he went into the ministry, was a turnip farmer, a turnip puller, ordinary people from the dust, just like you and me. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27 says, but God chose the foolish things. He chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the dust of the earth to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. The bad news before the good news is that there is a jar, an ordinary jar, and you and I are that ordinary jar. You and me are made from clay. 
that as I look at these gifts that were given out to the, Gideon, the Gideonite army, the, the, the army of Gideon, God's people, I'm wondering, what do they represent? And a jar can come to represent through the clay analogy, can come to represent you and me, that you and me are nothing but dust, friends. And that's what he gave to his men. Maybe to remind them of the humanity. We're not sure. Let's keep reading and find out. The second thing that was given, first thing was a jar. And the second thing was a torch. And the, the, the torch was covered by the jar. I think they had some kind of surprise strategy where they would come out at nighttime and then they would s- smash the jar to reveal the torch, the flame on the inside. Uh, imagine a long stick maybe wrapped in cloth, dipped in oil and lit on fire, flammable, but covered in this jar. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is the torch. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, we read the first half of the scripture just a moment ago, says, but we have this treasure inside the jars of clay. So we're jars of clay, but we have this treasure in the jar. Isn't that interesting? What a picture that is. We have the fire, the torch covered in the jar. Isn't that, a, isn't that an amazing picture? That if the jar is you and me, then what I wonder is that torch, that fire, what is that treasure on the inside? To show that this all-surpassing power is, and the scripture gives us the key here, from God and not from us. We are a jar with this all-surpassing power on the inside that's from God and not from us. The bad news is that you're a jar. The good news is, is that there's treasure in that jar. The treasure is the presence of God. The torch, the fire, represents the presence of God. It was Moses who saw a burning bush. It was Moses who was led by a fire by night. It was God responding to Elijah on Mount Carmel with what? With fire. Hebrews says that he's a consuming fire. That God is that fire and we are that jar with treasure on the inside and Gideon's army is given a jar, given a torch, but to conceal the flame. The thing about fire is that fire will leave a mark on you. God's presence is fire. Fire will leave a mark on you. It never ceases to amaze me. We'll be in church I'll be sitting here and there'll be an amazing moment of worship here on this stage in our online and in, in our in-person service. And there'll be an amazing moment of worship and people will respond in their own way, raise their hands, come forward to the altar, get on their knees, sing with passion and vigor. Why? Because God is leaving a mark on them. God leaves a mark on us. Relationships leave a mark for sure, for good and bad. But God leaves a mark that's indelible and eternal. I'll never forget, I got this phone call one day from Nadia. She, she called me up in a little bit of a panic. And I, hey, what's happening? What's, what's going on, baby? You okay? She says, I think I've burnt my hand. Now, I, so when I heard that, I was like, what do you mean think? You know what I mean? Like, you've either burnt your hand or you haven't. What do you mean you think you've burnt it? When you burn yourself, you know it. And that's my point. She said, I think I've burnt my hand. And I said, what, what do you mean? She says, well, did you leave the, the stove on? And I said, I said, no, I don't think so. But I did cook porridge this morning. And she says, yeah, it was you. So I came downstairs, opened the fridge, and I leant on the, on the stovetop. And she put her hand right on the element. Third degree burns on her hand. It's amazing, isn't it? Because if you ask Nadia to show you her left hand today, uh, it would be, it's completely healed. And that's not normal because fire leaves a mark that lasts a lifetime. An indelible mark that lasts forever. And of all the things that God could use to choose to describe himself and his interaction with us, he chooses fire. 
fire, fire whips up and burns away the stubble and the hay and the things that aren't of him. Fire boils the, the, the gold and brings the dross to the surface. It's fire that leaves a mark. The bad news is you're a jar. The good news is, is that you have treasure inside. The Holy Spirit resides in us like fire. Fire leaves a mark. The presence of God changes us. The special part of God moving on our life can impact us forever. All we need in our life is God's presence. But before we, 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 we praise God, before we, before we smash the jar like we read in the Scripture, understand this, that the most important thing that's being revealed as we smash even ourselves to get out of the way, what's being revealed is actually God's presence that's in our lives. That we smash the jar to reveal the fire and they smash the jar to reveal the torch. In other words, we have to sometimes get out of God's way and allow Him to minister through us and allow our insecurities, our experiences, our nervousness, get out of the way, get our flesh out of the way to let God do His work. Ask yourself this today, what's in your way? What do you need to smash to reveal the torch? David overcame fear of man and became a bona fide, undignified praise leader at his time in the Scriptures. Abraham overcame his unbelief and became our father in the faith. Saul overcame religion and became Paul, the ultimate apostle. What's in our way? What's in your way today? Pride? Is it ego? Your own false expectations, societal limitations, fear of failure, embarrassment, our own insecurities, lack of conviction, laziness, unbelief, fear of the future. Friends, today understand this, there is treasure in the jar. And sometimes what we need to do is just get out of the way and let him shine through. Gideon gave the army the most important weapon that he could. And that, my friends, was the presence of God. We need a reminder that we're just normal. But there's something about us that is supernatural. There's something about us that is just so special, that makes you so brilliant. And sometimes it's not you. Sometimes it's God that's working through you. A jar, a torch. And the third thing, if you're taking notes, it gave them a trumpet. A trumpet. I don't know. I didn't go to school in Canada. I didn't grow up in Canada. So I don't know the quirky things about elementary and high school in this great nation. But in New Zealand, we were given the most quirky of things in, um, in that grade seven, grade eight phase. And all of us, for some reason, we all got given a recorder. You know what a recorder is? It's like a flute. And I just remember I had a recorder. Everyone, Nadi had a recorder. Everyone, we all had recorders. The worst, the worst the worst instrument. Beautiful wind instrument when played well. Beautiful. We see a lot of, you know, flautists in the Bible, people bringing God's presence through wind. Amazing. But not, not, not for like a, a 11-year-old boy who has no interest in playing the recorder. Just the worst sound. A trumpet was significantly better than, as a brass instrument, significantly better and more noble and regal than a recorder. When played poorly, has the same kind of, you know, when someone says, what do you do? I play the trumpet. It, it doesn't jump off the page at you. I play bass, I play drum, play the trumpet. It should, it doesn't. It should, but it doesn't. A trumpet speaks of, um, it, well, it's loud. It speaks of volume. It's punchy. It's purposeful. 
it speaks a breakthrough in my mind. That when someone plays the trumpet, like if we played, the, if we had a trumpet, a brass section, if we had a trumpet in church on a Sunday, you wouldn't need to mic it. It's such a loud, punchy instrument, you'd hear it, you'd hear it right from the back. The Bible says that Gideon put a trumpet in every man's hand. A trumpet in every hand. A tr- there's a trumpet in every hand. There's a trumpet in every hand. There was a recorder in every grade seven student's backpack. But there's a trumpet in every hand. For the introverts, there's a trumpet in your hand. For those people who have a tendency to be quiet and and process internally, there's a trumpet in your hand. It's easy to say there's a trumpet in people's hands that are loud. People who just talk before they they think, a trumpet in their hand, loud, punchy. But there's a trumpet. There's a trumpet in your hand. There's a trumpet in every hand. It's an instrument of declaration is what it is. In the Bible, the trumpet speaks of praise. It speaks of thanksgiving. The trumpet speaks of thankfulness. It speaks of testimony. The trumpet in the Bible is where we get to partner with God. You see, there's God's part. God does praiseworthy things. God gave us life, breath in our lungs, food in our tummies, clothes on our back, shelter over our head. Friend, he gave you a job. He gave you family. He gave you friends. He gave you purpose. He gave you vision. He gave you a life that starts today but ends in eternity with Him. He gave you the Holy Spirit. God does praiseworthy things and our job is to praise Him for the things that He does, for the God that He is. There's a trumpet in every hand. There's a trumpet in every hand. You see, God's job is the fire. Our job is the trumpet. So you're a jar of clay and on the inside is treasure. God's job is the treasure, the fire. God's job is to do God things. Our job is to trumpet the things that he does. Have you ever heard the phrase, blow your own trumpet? Have you ever heard that phrase? I hate to blow my own trumpet. Look, I, look, look, I hate to blow my own trumpet. And you know, people say, they don't hate it. You don't hate it. When someone says that to me, I feel like saying, well, time out, you don't hate it. Because if you hated it, you wouldn't do it. You don't hate it. You should have like it. And I think you love it. So we should change the phrase. I love blowing my own trumpet, so let me do that. It makes more sense. Like, I hate to blow my own trumpet. What we mean is, I hate to say something good about myself. That's a prelude to, I'm about to say something about myself that I think is pretty great. We should keep hating to blow our own trumpet and not do it, but love to blow his trumpet. God does godly things, and then we partner with him by giving him thanks for what he does. When things happen in your life that are good, look nowhere else than the Lord. That, he's, that all good gifts come from Him. But you got a promotion? Thank the Lord. You got a new friend? Thank God. You got home earlier, there was no traffic? Thank God. You got more Ks in the tank from the gas? Somehow, like, I know there was more efficiency that week? Thank God. Revelation 12 verse 11 is one of my favourite scriptures. It says, They triumphed over Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. God's job is the blood of the Lamb. Our job is the testimony. God's job is the blood. Our job is the trumpet. God's job is the fire, the breakthrough. God does God things. And our job is to trumpet the things that He does. Matthew 7 verse 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door is open. Our job is the the ask. His job is to give. Our job is to seek 
he makes sure that he is found. Our job is to knock and he opens. We pray and he answers. God does God things. We just need to recognise when he's moving and thank him for it. That's the trumpet. Bad news is you're a jar of clay. Good news is he's treasure in the jar. Our job is to trumpet the things that he does. There's our part and there's God's part. There is the move of God. And then friends, there is the declaration of the things that he has done. One of my favourite stories in the charismatic renewal movement, one of my favourite stories of God revivals that have happened is a, is a story, a little known story from the Azusa Street Revival in California. Amazing revival where people were getting saved. Like this revival was so impacting for um, the evangelical movement for Christians globally that it sparked revivals all over the world. Like really through the 1900s, like it was just catalytic in what God did. And people were getting saved and healed and there were like services back to back to back to back to back every day. They, they grew venues, they moved into different spaces. It was just truly amazing. And uh, one day someone was offended. I think the administrative person was, you know, whatever was bitter about something that went on and they stole the mailing list. So when they stole the mailing list, the snail mail letter of testimonies from what God was doing stopped being sent. So people stopped hearing. And when people stopped hearing, they stopped believing. They stopped traveling. They stopped having faith. And as a result of the mailing list and as a result of a lack of faith, even funds coming through and people arriving and being excited about what God was doing, there was no more excitement or expectation or faith. And so the move of God kind of wrapped up and came to a close. Why? Well, because there was no declaration. There was no more testimony. No one was trumpeting what God was doing because it was happening, but the news wasn't getting out. It was happening, but the news wasn't getting out. It was happening, but the news wasn't getting out. Here at Southminster, what's been so amazing about having the back doors opened on a Sunday with that new entranceway complete is that the news gets out. The sound gets out. People have come in because they hear. What's that great sound? It gets out. The biggest danger of church buildings are the walls that contain the church. Isn't that a, that's, a, that's oxymoronic. The church shouldn't have walls. Of course, we've got to meet for 90 minutes on a Sunday. The gathering of the saints, very important to our faith. But the good news has to get out. This is to refresh you for Monday. So the news gets out. We need to blow the trumpet of all the great things that God is doing. We are the jars. We are filled with fire. But there's a trumpet in every hand. God is doing something in your life right now worth praising Him for, worth thanking Him for, worth telling people about. He does the fire and we do the trumpeting. He does the fire and we do the trumpeting. Friend, we only have good news. How many faith stories have you got? Testimonies. Times where life was going sideways and bang, made a fresh connection. Couldn't break through in this area and bang, got a breakthrough. Someone prayed for me. I was talking to someone the other day. They sat down and they had some like prayer ministry, inner healing, counselling. Life-changing moment. That moment will be one of the top five life-changing moments in their life that they've ever had. 
just took a few hours of talking with someone. I remember when I got saved, I was from an unchurched family. I moved next door to a family that had the same amount of boys in their family as mine. They had four boys, five boys. I just forgot about one of my brothers. And, um, you know, whatever, but I won't tell you which one. I'll leave that. I'll let that be a secret, Dylan. And so, you know, they had five brothers. And then I went to this church all-nighter thing, this youth group thing, watched The Matrix, heard a, the gospel presentation, responded to Jesus. My life was changed as a result of that moment. I only heard about it, though, because someone told me about how good God was. Someone shared with me. Someone trumpeted the good things that God was doing in their life. So I went to a youth group event and got saved because someone told me. We cannot. Remember the recorder I was telling you about? The little flute that I was given in grade seven? It just sat under my bed, gathered dust. Friends, you have a trumpet. Make use of it. There's a trumpet in every hand. Don't let your trumpet gather dust under the bed and not be used. Let your trumpet be something that you're telling friends, neighbours, family, work colleagues about all the great things God is doing in your life. Friends, workmates, family, let them know that it's not me. God's job is the fire, but our job is the trumpet. And without it, I fear the, the lesson of the Azusa Street revival is that the, the move of God shifts and changes and stops based on the declarative praises of God's people. Christianity is funny because it's like reverse, reverse breakthrough. I thank you, God, for what you will do. I give you praise for the things that are to come. There are people in our church that are looking for a job promotion, looking for breakthrough and friends, people who are single looking for relationships. Thank you, God. Praise you, claim it. Yeah, no, you're good. So that when it happens, you go, yeah, I prayed for this five years ago and I knew you were with me. There's a trumpet in every hand. And maybe you're here today and really before acknowledging that there's a trumpet in your hand, acknowledge that there's treasure in your life. The treasure is that Jesus came and died on a cross for you. The treasure is that God loves you so much that He condescended, that He came low. Just for us, that He loves you. And if you're here today, you're distant from God, don't know Him, haven't prayed a prayer, made a decision for Christ, I would love to, in just one second, pray a very simple prayer so that we can be sure that our relationship with God is on point, that we can leave this online service, wrap it up, close the window, and know, man, I'm right with God. So we're gonna pray this very simple prayer. And I would love it if you would pray with me. Prayer goes like this. You, I'll pray, I'll pray one line, you repeat it back. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you I need you in my life. I ask you, forgive me of my sin. And I thank you that you do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Love you so much. I'll see you next week.